you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. We are joined by the co-chair of emergency medicine at Cedars-Sinai, Dr. Sam Torbati. Dr. Torbati, a very good Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Thursday, Larry. Great to be with you and your uh, audience. So uh, I want to start with the recommendation from the FDA and the CDC that came down on Tuesday, late in the day, that those uh, age 50 and older are okay to get a second booster shot. But what we've heard in the interim uh, day and a half is uh, a fair amount of nuance in this, with physicians giving, you know, varying, but, but Essentially, you know, we don't need to treat this as a blunt instrument, not necessarily should everybody 50 and over run out to get a second booster shot. So what's your opinion on what people should keep in mind when deciding whether to get another booster? You know, you're absolutely correct. I mean, right now, the CDC and the FDA have opened up the door for the second booster. But there's a lot of questions in terms of, you know, what's the best timing you know, is 50 too young. I think most of us agree that if you have somebody who's 65 and older, or certainly somebody who has uh, underlying immune problems and health conditions that makes them immunosuppressed, that it should be something that should be considered. But there's also timing concerns in terms of, you know, whether now is the best time, or maybe we should wait until we get um, closer to a time period where there's other variants that may be coming around the scene. I, I, I still think if, you know, if you're over 65, if you have uh, immunosuppressed conditions, especially if it's been more than four months, I think it's worth doing, especially if, if the uh, vaccine wasn't anything to give you any significant side effects. But for healthier individuals, I think we can sit and wait on this. Uh, there's time, and the data suggests that we have adequate protection even against the Omicron subvariant, and we're pretty well protected against severe disease, which is what we're going after. And and to me, I'm glad you raised that point because I think uh, another part of this to consider is one's 
tolerance for getting COVID at all, because one of the things that's leading me to to get a, a second booster shot in the coming days is I don't want to be sick with even mild COVID or test positive for it and have to miss a week of work. So it's not necessarily that I'm concerned that I'll end up hospitalized if I if I get COVID, especially since I am boosted and fully vaccinated and I'm healthy. But um, I, you know, for me with work, I don't want to be off because a week is, is, you know, it's a long time to be absent. So, um, and I was talking, we were talking yesterday with Dr. Peter Chin Hong at UCSF. And he said, similarly, even though, um, he's in great health, he's, he's not over 60. Nonetheless, he doesn't want to have to have his colleagues pick up his workload. Should he test positive or get sick with COVID? So for, for you, Dr. Torbati, does that factor into your decision about getting another booster. It does. And and I think yeah, now that the public is becoming more and more educated about this this disease and as as yourself and other um, other folks in the in the press really bring a lot of attention to the science behind this, people can make really wise choices for themselves and and if if not becoming sick is a priority, then that's a good priority. Um, and it's important to understand that, again, the vaccines don't eliminate illness altogether, but right. certainly reduce their likelihood. And they also reduce the likelihood of spread. So if individuals are up for it, now we can do it. And I think it's a, it's a great, great consideration. I have to say, if I if I wasn't working though in a daily job, I might I might put it off, feeling well. If I get it, it'll be mild. I'll I'll deal with it. I you know be out of action for five days or whatever. But but I could tolerate that. I'll wait to take the booster until, as you're saying, we start to see an increase, and then uh, I'll have you know even more current protection against potentially uh, uh, an increase in in cases where there's just more COVID out in the world. If you have questions for Doctor Torba. We're at 866-888, I'm sorry, 893-KPCC, 866-893-5722, or you can email your questions to him at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location and your first name. Dr. Torbati, is there any risk if, if someone was to say, to get a booster every six months or eight months or whatever, is there any risk that over time and taking multiple boosters that you might have unintended negative consequences from that? You know, there's a theoretical risk that the immune system may sort of um, get fatigued over this. It's very theoretical. Right now, the evidence that we have from the vaccines suggest that the vaccines do a very good job of mounting immune response, but that it also wears out over time. And that immunity um, also depends on what kind of variants are coming through. So uh, I think going forward, we could probably anticipate a, a phenomenon where we get annual, maybe biannual vaccines to protect against continuous changes in this in this virus as this virus continues to evolve, to try to evade host immunity. And in doing so, I think we'll continue to do a good job of just learning to live with a pandemic. And, and hopefully we're sort of at the beginning of that phase now.
All right. Dr. Sam Torbati, co-chair of emergency medicine, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center with us. Alan in Westlake Village emailed us, I'm 56, type 2 diabetes. Should I get the second booster sooner or can I wait? So, Alan, if, if all you have is diabetes, you certainly can, but you can also wait. You know, if there's other risk factors like obesity or high blood pressure or any cardiovascular disease, that may want to push you over to try to get it earlier, but you have a choice right now. And right now, we, we don't have much COVID activity in the community, so you can wait. There's no urgency at the moment. 866-893-KPECC. The Los Angeles City Council voted yesterday to lift its vaccine mandate uh, for businesses that operate indoors or for outdoor mega events. Now, businesses or event operators can still choose to require people to be fully vaccinated and to show that that vaccination proof. So this does not foreclose that, but it's no longer an obligation. Uh, Dr. Torbati, what do you think about the city of L.A. taking that step? Yeah, I'm fully supportive. I mean, it, it, it follows the science and it follows the epidemiology. And right now we're in a great spot where the rates of infection and disease is low, hospitalization rates are low. So this is in line with what the state has, has, has uh, done in terms of changes as well as the county. And it's nice to see that the city's following through as well. Uh, a large study looked at the effectiveness of ivermectin uh, for those who uh, are, are diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, it found it does not reduce the risk of COVID hospitalization. Do you recall what it was about ivermectin that uh, early on in the pandemic led some to think that it had promise as a treatment? Yeah, I, ivermectin, basically in vitro studies, so in basically in a Petri dish, um, when um, concentrations are super high, showed that it um, sort of slowed down virus replication. The problem is that you, you know, in order to provide those levels of uh, ivermectin into human bodies would kill the human. And so it, it just didn't translate you know, in, in therapeutic doses, ivermectin is an absolutely wonderful medication and when it comes to, you know, killing uh, parasites, but it's, it's not an antiviral agent. And um, the, some of the earlier studies had all kinds of flaws. There were some ethical issues even with some of the science that was, that was reported earlier. This study is a well-done study. It's, it's probably the best study on ivermectin. 1,300 patients done in Brazil, placebo-controlled, double-blinded, a large number of patients where half of the patients received the ivermectin at therapeutic doses and half of them didn't. And when they looked at the outcomes, which is at 28 days, whether they required an ER visit or hospitalization, they were the same. So basically, ivermectin doesn't work. So we, we just got to stop this. And this is a great great um, study that really put the issue to bed and hopefully we won't see patients seeking it we won't see doctors prescribing it and we can actually focus on the things that we have shown do work we have now really great therapies that actually do work without harming people and how available are those therapies so they are terrifically available i mean the programs that are that have been put in place are very well um 
now people can go online. There's a there's a website where you can find out exactly what pharmacy within your your neighborhood does this program. Where basically you can go get a test. It's it's called the test to treat program, and if you test positive, the pharmacy will basically give you the medication, the Paxlovid for the most part. It's a wonderful medication. It just is one of those medicines where the pharmacists just need to double-check your other medications to make sure you don't have side effects or medication reactions. And if you don't, it's five-day treatment that in studies have showed marked, marked uh, reduction in the likelihood of people who have early disease from becoming sick down the line. That's that's great. Dr. Tobati, thank you so much. We appreciate your being with us as always. And best to all of you and your colleagues at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Leah. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.